Hey everyone, how the heck are you doing? It is me, D.B. Spitzer, here with People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Your, your, your guide to the Cthulhu Mythos as well. I am joined. I'm Rob Whiten from the Innsmouth Book Club. As, 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 Join as me and my fellow uh, guide, right John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly Gretchen tour Martin of Innsmouth. To my virtual right and to my virtual right. We visit places such as the Picture right House, that, the Library, and Innsmouth so Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, yeah, whether you moved it be around. book, okay. film, music, TV, or art. <laughs> as well as that, we you stop over at the Gilman House oh, to have man. a chat with a resident guest. So, yeah, no, I mean, I've, that includes I've got all these authors, other windows up, artists, so I even musicians, in fact, Lovecrafty yeah, and no, creatives um, of all types. So you can find our free shows on Patreon, okay, and there cool, you can also cool. sign up as a patron which brings uh, you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features dead. articles, in all the spotlights, all the latest news uh, and reviews, some and of the weird bits of our hometown. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just the place, it's a state of mind. But I don't know why you want to. All right. So, how's everyone's week going? Anything fun and exciting going on? Only on public radio. Besides the snow. We got, you got snow? I didn't I got, yeah, I got snow. I got snow Wednesday. Welcome to People's Guide oh, wow, to wow. the Cthulhu no, Mythos. No snow in Portland. Dave and DB. Yep, yep. Um, no, but, I mean, the only thing I've been working on is um, doing finalizing my interview questions for Stapled Spine, um, women of horror at the uh magazine but oh cool there's so that cool. scene and then also been working on um my film queue for the portland horror film festival i'm sorry Gwen. i'm working on it it's no <laughs> there's a lot of movies on there yeah some yeah. good some not good <laughs> All right. are they so good are so bad it's good or no they're oh. just some are just bad they're just bad <laughs> Wow. You're like, you're like, is this a horror film or am I watching like a terrible event happen? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, woo! Gonna have to brain bleach every time I watch one of those. Anyways, yikes! 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 yikes. All right, but yeah, um, it's pr been like spring break here. Did a lot of yard work. Flipped the trampoline over from when the winds blew it around. Oh, sweet. You have oh, a trampoline? Yeah. I yeah. love trampoline. Dude, Kids. I'm coming over. <laughs> <laughs> we got to, uh, I, I keep saying, we got to staple it down. But yeah, we got to uh, anchor it down with some big rebar staples. But yeah. <laughs> the kids are going to be like, who is that lady out there jumping on the trampoline? we like, nah, it's okay. She's fine. She's fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Raul, yay, everyone. A fictional lost city that was first mentioned uh, by H.P. Lovecraft in The Call of Cthulhu, 1928. Uh, yeah, it's 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 one of the main focuses on uh, this week that we're going to be talking about. Uh, it's 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 where Cthulhu lives or is trapped. It's 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 kind of up for debate. What do you got going on for that, Dave? Well, so. You know, Lovecraft just didn't pick this location. 
Mm-hmm. And he gives mm-hmm. one location. He gives the coordinates for one. And yes. then Derelith gives another one, which, yes. okay, it's full of mystery. But what it is next to is Point Nemo. Yeah. yeah so, so Point Nemo is the point where it's the farthest that human beings live from. And it's out okay. in the middle of the Pacific. You're like, you're like closer to Mars, right, than you are closer to people at that point, at Point Nemo, right? Well, not necessarily Mars, but there are times that the closest people to Point Nemo are the ISS space station when it goes over. Oh, oh wow. right on, right on, right on. <laughs> That's so, crazy. <laughs> yes. So, I I mean, I just thought Lovecraft <coughs> just threw a dart somewhere. But, no, I think he really was on to something because he was into the South Pole. Sure. Uh, and so this is the most remote spot in the world, literally. Mm. All right. But yeah, uh, Call of Cthulhu is the first time it's it's named, but I think it's first really mentioned kind of in H.P. Lovecraft's Dagon from a couple years earlier, where a uh, uh, American gets washed up, an American uh, prisoner of war uh, escapes uh, the Germans and is washed up on the shore of a rotting, uh, gross island somewhere in the South Pacific. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's not mentioned, but it can be inferred if it's not the same place. It's where Lovecraft came up with the idea. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, Lovecraft got the idea from one of his own ideas, which is kind of uh, kind of an ongoing theme, I feel, with Lovecraft. <laughs> and a lot of writers for that for that matter, honestly. Yeah, and it definitely, and I know a lot of people think that, that Dagon is actually their favorite work or a top favorite, but there's definitely an evolution coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, in a lot of ways, Call Cthulhu is a much more polished story. It's mm-hmm. got much more of, of a feel. The characters are more developed. Yes. Oh, yeah. It, the writing is probably more developed. I mean, your miles may vary. True, yeah. true, true. I mean, my only experience with the whole um, knowledge of Riley, besides like Lovecraft's um, work, is there's some creepy pastas online that are pretty great, by the mm-hmm. way. It's like In Search of Riley, and it's basically a um, a film crew that's like ends up working for like a James Cameron type person. And they're like asked to be an independent film crew on this particular, um, uh, venture out to point, um, to point, point Nemo. Right. Okay. And they, uh, discover that they've become, I mean, not to give too much away, but like, you know, they've become like sacrifices or they, or they're worried to becoming sacrifices. Interesting. yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. They got a really cool take on it. I found them on um, on YouTube. There was a, there's like a quite a few of them of that story, like a continuing story, of the in search of um, Riley. Interesting. Yeah, That's and then of course cool. there's like a bunch of bands, right? That have done like songs about Riley, like. Yeah. Uh, Necronom Idol, that really awesome, yes. like Japanese Idol band, they have a Riley song. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure Darkest of the Hillside Thickets uh, mentioned oh. Ralier at least once. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Wasn't it also like a Metallica song or um, something like that? Uh, Riley? Uh, I, I think it's Call of Cthulhu with K. Oh, yeah. But I, I believe it mentions this. I am. I am kind of ignorant when it comes to Metallica. Same here. <laughs> I know more goth music, sorry. Same here. Industrial <laughs> stuff like that. I'm that nerd. Oh, no. Um but definitely uh Rallier, kind of a big deal in the Call of Cthulhu uh mm. mythology just just it's it's where Cthulhu is and where Cthulhu's going to come from and when the stars are right, you know. Yes. Rolgay so, will rise and Cthulhu will spread madness. So do you know where else Riley is mentioned? Where else? In the 616 universe of Marvel. Of course. Wow. So there are actually, one is, I think it's, it was a one-time monster, but it's kind of almost like a, a saga mm-hmm. called the, I believe it's the son or children of Riley that, uh, that uh, Doc Strange has to go and get rid of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on one of the, um, it's also on in um, Marvel Zombies, which is at the 616. I forgot which universe that is. Like yeah. there's a book that has Riley written on it. Oh, I so might they, even have that. <laughs> yeah, and they, they also have thrown out like the black gods of Riley as sure. you know, um because um there was a lot of crossover in the seventies and the eighties with uh Conan. All right. Uh, so they often use the word Riley or have used the, the term Riley and sort of called the elder gods the gods of Riley in a couple times in the 616. Oh, that's cool. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any uh, feature length films that really deal with Rallier besides. Um, underwater. What's that? Underwater. The, yeah. The movie Underwater. I don't think that it necessarily says that says it specifically, but like, come on. I mean, like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and, and the director has said that the creature at the end is Cthulhu. See, I mean, there you go. Yeah. And that's where he lives. (laughs) And I think if we're thinking of influences, I mean, every civilization has a sunken island story. Oh, yeah. Correct. Thule, Mu, you know, of course, Atlantis. Hi, Brazil. <clears throat> but um, probably one of the most, I think, sort of maybe influences in um, King Kong. Yeah. Totally. I, I would totally not be surprised. Yeah, I would not be surprised if some, I that were some of the ideas that maybe came to about for the island. You think like for, especially like Godzilla versus um, King Kong, um, that one. Sure. Has some oh. definitely has some vibes there. I mean, we have a giant octopus that he fights. Yeah. Well, I was thinking inspiring because King Kong came out in what 1928. Yeah. And I think Call of Cthulhu was written 32. 
Coinkydink? I think not. Well, what we do know, though, that he was following was it was, and it's mentioned a couple times, is the island of, uh, it was called, and I'm going to miss, it was Pompeia or Pompeia, but it's now called, it's, it sounds like Pompeii, the volcano, mm, which yeah. is this island out in the South Pacific. And it has these giant basalt pyramids that were built by a Stone Age tribe. Uh, and it looks kind of like they laid down giant Lego logs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the uh, Panap is how it's pronounced now. Okay. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Lynn Carter did some stuff with it in 75. Uh, it's 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 a lot of stuff uh, dealing with Mu and Gathanathoa and Deep One Hybrids and Dagon and yeah. <laughs> and, what, and, and what was coming out, there was a German anthropologist on the island that we pretty sure Lovecraft read. Yeah. And what he discovered were these huge monoliths that were covered with coral. And it was believed at this time that these people, basically the Stone Age people, put it on raft boats and took it out to the middle of the harbor and sank them. And it seems to be where he probably got some ideas for Riley. Mm -hmm. But in the 2010s or something, back when the History Channel actually did history, they sent a team out to these uh, sunken monoliths and uh -huh. they drilled cores. And it turns out they're entirely coral. That there's a strange thing with the harbor that makes them almost perfectly rectangle the way the currents come in. Interesting. And But uh, I'm pretty sure that Lovecraft had said that he had read what the German anthropologist had written about it, and that had inspired some of his uh, ideas on, on Riley. Yeah. But other than that, cool said, cool islands are, sunken islands are cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, Great. sunken islands are pretty cool. Sunken Islands are pretty cool. Uh, I, I say it's 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 one of those tropes that uh, has has uh, been around for a very very long time. Uh, yeah, no. It's an easy storytelling device too, if you think about it, because it's got so much built into it. But the fact that you can't, um, nobody can get to it, and nobody has proof of it, so that makes it easier. A great storytelling device. Yeah, definitely. And uh, when you have like even science backing up the fact of like the ocean floor pushing up stuff once in a while, then you get new islands that absolutely you know, quickly disappear and whatnot. It's it's yeah, it's 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 a pretty cool thing. And if you like if you like sunken islands, folks, I highly recommend you read Call of Cthulhu. And you know, if you've read that and you've read Dagon, there's 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 tons of other stuff out there, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Plenty and of creepy pasta. <laughs> oh yeah. And we also know, of course, that Lovecraft and was influenced by uh, Madame Blavatsky. Yeah. Who mm. definitely took the idea of Lemuria. Lem excuse me, Lemuria. Yeah. So, 
originally Lemuria was set as this hypothetical island because the there are lemurs in Madagascar and I guess it's India, and yeah. they couldn't figure out how could these lemurs exist in two places. Well, the truth is, they look the same. They're genetically not the same. They just look <laughs> the same. so scientists thought, well, if there was an island that was in between, they could have gotten to the island and gotten then to Madagascar. And then, well, since there's no island, it must have sunk. And then Madame Boglowski just went crazy with it, with saying that they were, you know, the fifth form of mankind that were giant uh, reptiles. And Lovecraft would make fun of her with, uh, you know, when he'd write, um, write uh, Robert E. Howard, but uh -huh. he blatantly just took her ideas. So I suspect that there may have been some uh, influence from Boblowski there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a shame that, like, she wrote some kind of weird, terrible stuff, because a lot of uh, weird fiction kind of was like, yeah, what if that was really true, though? <laughs> mm. right. um, moving on to the next part, just to remind everyone, if you like what you're hearing, like this episode, share it with people, subscribe to the podcast, find us on Facebook, we're under People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, we're on Twitter, I don't really check Twitter, so... It's just kind of the automatic feed. If you just want to listen to us on Twitter for some reason, you can find us on any place, any podcatchers that are out there. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, the YouTube where this episode will be. And uh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. Well, let's move on from this uh, fictional uh, lost city uh, to uh, a definitely real lost city. A real <laughs> lost city, yeah. <laughs> Portland, Oregon. The uh, I don't know. Uh, it's I don't want to say that it's a weird city, but it is kind of a a, a city with a sordid past. A city with a. a Weird present and you say weird like it's a bad word. Well, I, I think there's better words to describe Portland in the past than being weird, like woolly or 
or like rough around the edges or a uh, working class town or uh, I don't know, kind of like uh, Pittsburgh is missing a, I mean, not Pittsburgh, but uh, Pennsylvania is missing a city out in the West and, you know, kind of that stuff going on. And you hear stories about Portland from like the late 1800s where the mayor and Henry Weinhardt thought it would be hilarious to pipe a bunch of beer into a water fountain that's kind of like uh at what <clears throat> it would have been like a uh 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 a water fountain for horses and you know scenery uh that would have been at about like 10th and burnside right where powell's kind of is now but it was like not on where powell's is but on like kind of the uh, so like the, uh, Buffalo exchange, and then there's mm -hmm. the furniture store that used to be a graphic design house. And then there's whatever's there now, but it used to be the, uh, Blitz Weinhardt, uh, complex going off in like two blocks this way and five blocks that way. <laughs> and it always mm. smelled like, uh, Cereal, like uh, uh, like someone had left out a bowl of grape nuts or something. <laughs> okay. But is it because of the bakery, is that why it smelled like grape it nuts? It was because it was because of the uh, the brewery. They had like oh. a massive brewery complex for uh, Henry Weinhardt beer right there, right oh. across from Powell's. It's it's now like high rise apartments and uh, parking and restaurants and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but it used to be this massive brewery in uh, downtown Portland. And when you'd go to Powell's, it just smelled like beer. <laughs> oh, wild. But yeah, uh, like late 1800s, uh, Henry Weinhardt and the mayor, whose name I don't remember, they filled a water fountain with beer and horses got drunk. And it's at the top of a hill and it wasn't, as funny as they thought it was going to be. It ended up being. It never is. Yeah. <laughs> like a bunch of frat boys, to be honest. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is uh, not the period of time, but yeah, it might have been like uh, because of the fact that like one of the main founders of this town was a brewery owner. Um, mm. Burnside going all the way down. Uh, was a mile-long bar, more or less. It was just, like, um, sex workers and uh, from, like, the top of the hill all the way down to the wharf. Wow. Yeah. It was It was just bars, brothels, and... I mean, I know the Green Mile, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I live on the Green Mile, to be honest, in Portland. The, the, there was the the uh, execution place where they did the hanging with that there too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Um. And that's 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 like kind of the earlier stuff I know of. I know there was a lot of crazy stuff with prohibition and um, like uh, suffragette movement, and mm. they didn't quite clash. <laughs> I mean, they didn't, they didn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of, uh, friendliness going on. There was a lot of angry church going women banging pots and pans out in front of bars. 
and then the bartenders getting in fistfights with them, and then the police coming, and then everyone getting in fistfights with the police, and then riots breaking out. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, that's, I mean, it's like a lot of old Portland feels like that. And uh, Dave, I think you've talked about Shanghai, uh, Shanghai in the past and how it's uh, kind of a work of fiction as it goes. Totally. Like Portland. Yeah. So, so the, the Shanghai tunnels, I think it was 1864. Yeah. This, the rain of the century just kept raining and raining in, in Oregon. And one of the, the things that happened was it would flood out the basements of all these bars and inns. Mm -hmm. And it wiped out their their dry storage, yeah. which put the, the businesses in danger of going away. So the city founders basically came up with this idea to do tunnels between everyone's basements so if it flooded again, it would, you know, drain out in the, the Willamette River. Mm -hmm. And the most expensive thing at this time when getting supplies off a boat was the crane operator. Yeah. It was high skilled. It was expensive. And all of a sudden, these people sitting around the dock say, well, look, there's these tunnels here. I could bypass this crane operator and just pick up the stuff and haul it to my, my store or my bar, and it became a literal underground freeway. Yeah. And, and at the same time, there was the only law that I can tell that was in force in the 1860s in Portland was a boat could not leave the harbor without a full crew. Um, and so what would happen, the story is that there were all these trap doors, well, the trap doors were and the places that you see now were added like in 1980s yeah. and drunken sailors would fall down these trap doors and they would run them through the, these tunnels and then they would wake up in Shanghai. And that's where the term comes from. What really happened is that people would come to Oregon for the same reason that they went to California gold. Yeah. So you'd have all these people that spent all their money and they were usually young guys who just didn't want to farm. They spent all their money to get, to the West Coast, and somebody would basically stake them a couple dollars so that they could, you know, buy equipment and set up. And then they would also introduce them to a, a lady that would help them spend their money. And then two weeks or later, the cops would show up, and if they didn't pay back the two dollars, the cops would basically take them over to the boats, force them in, and then the cops and the the, the businessman would get their share, their share of the, the hiring fee. Um, yeah. The circum the stories about this being uh, tunnels for prostitution, for kidnapping, they're all, they're myths. Yeah, I think those are pretty funny. I've been on a few of those tours, and especially ones with, like, the EMF readers. Those always crack me up because they're like, the EMF readers start blinking, and they're like, hey – you must, do you smell rose perfume? That was, I mean, it, I get it. It's fun. And it's yeah. fun to like to go to, but yeah, kind of ridiculous. <laughs> there was a, a ghost show where they were, they were, the, 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 the ghost show where they were doing, going through the tunnels. Yeah, yeah. that was the one I went on. 
there's only about a hundred feet of the tunnel left. Yeah. This guy, this English ghost personality goes on and says, yeah, I'm here with a professional tour. And if he didn't, wasn't with me, we wouldn't find our way out and I would be lost. No, <laughs> in front of me, it's 50 feet and back. The, the stairs are 10 left out of the camera. It's not that big. No. <laughs> is I think it's like Fourth Street. There's this place where what is this big metal, um, not great, but like a metal thing on the 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 sidewalk where they can lift up and go down and do uh, you know work on electrical lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Every time I walk by there, I jump on that because I know it echoes down to anybody who's on the ghost tours. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there something like that in like um, Astoria too? There's like an underground kind of style tour. I didn't get a chance to do it when I was there, but I did see they have like the you know the glass that's in the and the embedded in the cement. Yeah. Apparently, you can see that underneath. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't. I've only been to Astoria once. I didn't get a chance to see that. Oh, yeah, yeah there's a lot of fun museums out there. Uh, Portland has a lot of the uh, glass embedded in the concrete, and I'll hear people telling each other stuff. Like, people will be like, oh, I hear that's, like, uh, for the old subway system. And I just want to be like, there was no old subway system in Portland. <laughs> or oh, like, so funny. The, the big metal boxes around Pioneer Courthouse Square that are uh, locked up. I don't even know if they exist anymore. And you could like see that they had stairs that go down, but all you could see was like uh, leaves and stuff that had blown in and like old posters and stuff. And they were chained up and locked up and people would be like, oh yeah, that's how you get to the old subway system. And I'm like, those are old pay toilets that they shut down in the, the early 80s. <laughs> They're going to be so disappointed to know those are toilets. Dang. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, speaking of the 80s, I mean, a lot of crazy stuff happened in Portland in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, A lot of urban myths about the Portland in the 80s involving uh, video games uh, like uh, I I, I never. Oh, Polybius. Yes. And. Oh yeah. So, favorite TV show. I'm a shout out. Paper Girls, episode yes. one. When Tiff's mother wakes her up, in the background is an old Atari playing Polybius. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, Polybius, and I, I, I believe the no, the Dybbuk box uh, came out of the '90s because it was a Craigslist. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But uh, weird, weird, weird 80s Portland stuff that I remember personally that I thought was so cool was uh, the Church of Elvis on 2nd and Ankeny over by Dan and Louise Oyster Bar. I, th- I think that closed right right before I moved here. Aha. Uh-huh, yeah. No, it, it uh, went from 2nd uh, and Ankeny and then it moved over to 7th and Ankeny to a second story building. <laughs> That was harder to access, so it it didn't when last did many years. When did that, that close? I want to say sometime in like ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, oh, okay, so about a, 
decade before. People were still telling me to go there there, but about a decade. Yeah, I moved here in like 2001. Okay. Yeah, and I'm I moved here from like New Orleans. Gotcha. <laughs> so it was like a really big culture shock for one, but um the yeah, the everybody kept saying you got to go see the Church of Elvis blah 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 and I, I never saw it. Yeah, no, I think it had shut down by that point in time, but everyone still thought it was a thing, and I don't think it was, but yeah, no. And it was started by Stephanie G. Pierce, a lawyer from Chicago who did law work once or twice a year in Chicago and then would uh, basically live out of her shop in downtown Portland in Old Town, where... Uh, it, it was like a condom vending machines, and she had a bunch of old Commodore 64s that had speech synthesizer speech synthesizers on them. And you could get married there, you could get divorced, uh, you could um, not, not legal marriages, not legal divorces, but you could find your future. You could buy glitter. You could buy just like get random things. Uh, you could ring the doorbell a whole bunch and hope that uh, Stephanie G. Pierce was there to uh, sell you weird stuff and give you a tour of like this room full of like this, this insane room full of junk that she'd glued stuff together and was telling people, and this is this, and this is really this. And, uh, it, it was just stuff glued together. It was this kind of like bizarre surrealist uh, junk palace that I personally loved. And yeah, uh, uh, that was kind of like uh, one of the first real weird things about Portland that I remember like growing up in Portland and being like, there's nothing like this in other people's towns. I'm pretty sure of it. So, so can, well, I would say one of my favorite secret locations that I even a lot of locals don't go to. Sure. Is the Lovejoy Columns. Oh, I love the Lovejoy Columns. I haven't seen those in forever since they're since What's they were the on Lovejoy, Lovejoy. Columns. Yeah. So the Lovejoy Columns were originally part of a train trestle that would connect, I guess, Lovejoy, but where the trains would come down to this big place where they would park trains and there was a security guard there who was from greece his name he went by tom but it wasn't his real name and from the late 40s early 50s he carved in pictures of animals and greek mythology on the columns yeah and they're just beautiful the first day and it's and it's down 10th Street, so you're walking away from from Powell's. Mm -hmm. First time, you know, I've been here in Oregon for like a couple of weeks, and I am completely lost, and I can't find where I parked my car. And I'm in this huge fog, and all of a sudden, I stumble on these just magnificent lit columns. Uh, and it, it was... You know, it was like finding the lost ark, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing. And I think it was Gus Van Sant uh -huh. who basically put the money. So they're covered like with weather protection. They're 
they're actually photographed. The photographs put on top of it, and it's got weather protection to keep the columns. Yeah. Uh, but they're on tent between um, Everett and Flanders uh, yeah. for locals. And so if you're not from Portland, go down from Powell's about two or three blocks. And it's just amazing. And uh, I think that's one of the, that's one of the great lost treasures of Portland. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, that was from a period of time when a lot of Portlanders were like first and second generation uh, Greek and Italian. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that a lot of people don't talk about is like in the 30s and 40s, there was a lot of like Greek and Italian immigrants that moved to Portland, a lot of German immigrants. Um, yeah, no, it's like a lot of people I know are like, who are like fifth generation uh, Portlanders, their their families are like, came from like, uh, like one of my friends, her family is like, came over from Russia, but they were like German immigrants that had moved to Russia and then got kicked out of Russia when Russia said, all you German immigrants move away. And the Volga Russians, a bunch of them moved to uh, the Pacific Northwest in the late 1800s. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm 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 learning so much about Portland's history. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know a lot of stuff about. Oh man, I, I mean, like I used to know a lot more because I was doing research for it for other things, like Oaks Park when it opened and all the cool fun rides. Like Oaks Park used to have like all kinds of things that happened on the river with boat rides and swans and kite flying and all kinds of cool stuff. And there were other amusement parks that used to exist in Portland, but due to safety issues, they had to be shut down and they weren't paying enough money to organize crime or the police. So they definitely had to be shut down. And that's it's like the story of like forever is like, oh, you're not paying enough protection money to police. You're going to get shut down at some point in time. Um. Let's see. Uh, the 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 UFO of Swabi Beach or Swabi oh, Island. Uh, yeah, Swabi Islands uh, UFO. What 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 do you want to say about that there, Dave? So it it's looks like a UFO, mm-hmm. but it was actually a boat. It was like a tow tourist boat designed to look like UFO, but it's okay. just sitting there and it's been painted over, and, and it's got all these graffiti on it, and it's just. A cool thing to go to see. Okay. Gretchen, do you have any favorite weird Portland stuff since uh, you've you've come here in 2001? Well, let's see. I mean, all the fun, like, haunting stuff is pretty cool. Um, but um, I really like the um, that pizza joint downtown, um, Old Town Pizza. Old Town Pizza. Yeah, like, totally haunted um like elevator shaft was funny as we had my kids uh 13th birthday there we were so oh, we're having cool. a, a superstitious birthday party and made everybody like walk under a ladder and i had a bunch of open umbrellas and then the waitress came over and told the story of the um of the, the woman in the elevator shaft it was pretty wow. cool yeah but i mean like i don't really believe in ghosts so 
I've, I read too much Carl Sagan. Oh yeah, no, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to like. It's fun to pretend and whatnot. Because I remember like living in New Orleans, they'd be like all these ghost tours like there, and people would be like, "All right, y'all, if you believe, you're gonna <coughs> see orbs." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> I do not see any orbs. I, I didn't was get orbs. Would be orbs. Where are my orbs, y'all? <laughs> but I, 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 I want to. Oh, sorry. No, no, but I mean, other than like silly stuff, like that most people know about, like we have the smallest park in the world. That's sure. pretty funny. Like I've taken photos there, and uh, you know, just silly stuff like that. But I mean. Portland's main history is like a lot of uh, not super good stuff. <laughs> like yeah. All, yeah, like racism and yeah, it's just, it's not so good. We got a not so good. I mean, honestly, I was trepidatious about moving here. My family had all moved up here first mm-hmm. and I had heard it was like the skinhead capital of the United States. And so I was very uh, not feeling like moving here at first. Yeah. I mean, how much validity is that? I mean, do you remember like, like roving gangs of skinheads, or was it like, what was it like? It really hasn't been a thing. That hasn't really been a thing since the I want to say the late '80s. Like, probably mm-hmm. about like '88 was the height of it, and then it just like disappeared. Well, yeah, they got the there was a huge like sharp movement that swept across America. I think is what I remember reading. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I had some friends from Portland at the time, and it pretty much, at least the way they described it, it was a punk city. As in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So it, it's also one of the first, one of the areas with Seattle and LA that's going to be a, the beginning of um, Riot Girl. The art, yeah. The, and a lot of the 90s Riot Girl stuff is going to come out of Portland. Mm-hmm. I was Correct. totally a Riot Girl. Yeah. I have my little Chelsea haircut. <laughs> so, so one more thing, and I know that everybody's saying, "Stop talking about Portland. We want to talk about Evil Dead." But Let's talk about. We can oh. fast forward. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. This is vaguely dirty, people. So you may want to listen to it. The hung far low sign. Aww. I. Yeah. Do, do you know who owns the hung far low sign? Who? Who? The city of Portland. Okay. Oh. So, uh, according to the, so Hung Far Lo was a Chinese restaurant that was opened up in 1928. And the grandson of the guy who opens it swears that it means, in some Chinese dialect, it means the sm- smell of almonds when they cook. Mm-hmm. Oh. But if you look at the Hung Far Lo sign, it's obviously Portland's little dirty joke yeah. because, you know, uh, where it has the cocktail signs, the word tail doesn't light up. Mm. So what happened is it was one of the, the during the, the 90s, it was one of the few restaurants that would be open late at night. It would be open until 11 at night. And they didn't card. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I do remember like going there and getting really terrible food poisoning. Well, well, the, there's a couple. So there's a couple hung far loads. Yeah, the one in but Chinatown. The, okay, yes. Which you notice the thing about uh, Chinatown in Portland? No mm. Chinese people live there. Nope. Yeah, well, 
Bless them. You know, hopefully that gets changed. J District is where they're at. Yeah. So with the hung far low in the 90s, a lot of the the grunge bands, uh, Cobain and a lot of the Seattle uh, grunge bands would want places to try new music that wasn't their own backyard. So they'd try out songs in Portland. Mm. And they'd have small venues. And especially Kurt Cobain, but other, they wanted to go somewhere to eat. And this was the only place that was really open. And the closest the to the X-Ray Cafe and places like that. Exactly. Yeah. And so eventually they had to move it from the two-story building to a single-story building. And eventually they closed. There is a hung far low, I guess, by the airport. Mm-hmm. But I've never, I, I've never heard a good thing about their food. Sorry, hung far low. Where? Uh, it's, I, I think it's by, by PDX. Okay. Weird. Yeah. But so this sign just sat there. And the city says, well, it's going to fall off and it's going to hit somebody and we're going to get sued. We're going to take this sign away. And Portland said, no, we're not. So they raised this big bond to basically redo the sign. And when they when they cleared it, there literally was a ton, 2,000 pounds of rust were removed from it. Wow. Uh, and so, so yes, if, and I, that was back pre-COVID, that used to be my hobby. hobby. I would sit by the Hung Far Low sign and look for people that looked like tourists and didn't know anything about the city. And then I would explain the history of Portland and the Hung Far Low sign to them. <laughs> I was bored. <laughs> Just your friendly neighborhood historian. Hi, how's yeah. it going? Here's the story of this sign. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, if you're coming to visit Portland, Come see the Lovejoy Columns and the Hung Far Low sign. And if you're going to eat donuts, do not go to. Uh, Voodoo. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, no. I, I like I like them, but you know what the secret of going to Voodoo Donuts is? Yeah. Go on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, really? There's no be there. No life, yeah. Wild, wild. Well, one of those dudes is from Memphis, funny enough. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> Long story short, um, I went to prom with a friend, um, and him he was friends with the guy that I went to prom with, and his prom date, and I ended up hanging out the whole night. It was it was kind of a silly like that's Memphis, Memphis bleeding over into um, into Portland. Yeah, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are plenty of awesome places that make their own donuts throughout Portland that. I mean, Voodoo Donut did cut. They 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 were like the 2002, 2003. I can't remember when they opened, uh, but yeah. it 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 was something like the bars shut down and you could like get a big hot donut, mm. <laughs> which was kind of nice if you think about it. Like back then, that was like that was a really cool thing to be able to do. Yeah, because there was nothing open downtown. <laughs> no, no, like, that was that was what so made it legendary. Yeah. Plus oh, those yeah. nasty ass like, um, remember the Pepto Bismol donut? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they got rid of that fucking thing. That was so gross. Yeah, that was it. It it, it just seemed like a dare donut, and I'm like, yeah. ooh, yeah. The, 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 you know the story I'm, I heard. The story I heard was that it was the idea that. 
people could eat a donut and get cure for a hangover and that they had a NyQuil donuts. Yeah. But, the, the, but apparently in America, you can't mix medicine and food. Shocking. And so they got shut down and said, well, I guess we'll have to make donuts. <laughs> I think who has the best donuts to you? I think that Dough Donuts has the best donuts. Not oh, yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, it's like this little vegan donut shop right over next to the Hollywood Theater. Oh, oh yeah. I like donuts. Donuts are so ding dang good. You would never know they were vegan. They were so good. I'm a big fan of Dot Donuts over in Vancouver, Washington, but that's me. <laughs> so there, there's too many. Um, there's just too many to mention. But there's a food cart. Granny's Donut is it's run by Mennonites. Okay. They, they only type, make one type of donut, and it's this huge, giant, sugar-frosted donut. But you know what? And there's out here out in Clackamas County, there's, you know, a couple of Mennonite communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Mennonites are no fools. <laughs> they moved their donut stand next to the dispensary. <laughs> and I expect that they are breaking oh my God. in that is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, and it's not what they're called. I mean, it's Granny's Donut is the food cart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by uh, going into like Clackamas, where um, you know by the by a uh, big uh, Bigfoot Growlers. Okay. But, you know, I call them Mennonite Donuts, but it's Granny's, and they're they're really good. They're just huge. They're a little expensive, but that's okay. They're all handmade. And yeah, they're, I'm they're okay super with that. Frosted donuts. That sounds wonderful. I want to say that's like something that Portland is known for. It's not, Portland isn't known for coming up with its own food. Portland's known for taking something from another place and being like, hey, late 90s, early 2000s Portland, you know what you love? Smoked ribs, just like Austin has. (laughs) Oh, I I got another one too. I got another one. And this is completely, none of this is indoors. So yeah. if any donut place wants to send donuts, buy <laughs> send them. But um, Coco's Donut on on Broadway. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh and yeah, they have that lavender donut. It's pretty good. Lavender uh-huh. donuts and lavender coffee. Yeah, it's delicious. But the best part is that they have all these old wooden chairs from like 1950s gym and this uh, you know school gym and this huge glass door. Uh, glass yeah. Door. And you could just sit there and eat your donuts and watch Portland go by. Isn't that the one that's next to the Tiki Bar? Haley Haley? Used to, I think so. It used to be there was a a thing from another world on. uh, Uh, Across the way. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about over there by the Fred Myers and whatnot. Yeah, there's a a dog spa. Yes, yes. That plant store. And, a, a, and a unicycle store. I don't know if the unicycle's there, but there was a unicycle store. That's pretty funny. But yeah, come come to port, come to Portland. Um, we have for donuts. Whatever reason, stay for the donuts. Yeah, we have donuts and unicycles. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing I want to talk about about like kind of like something that brought culture to Portland, or I guess is kind of Portland's culture. I was talking about Portland's culture is a lot of like being like, you know, what's cool. That thing that they do over there, we should do that over here. 
but it'll be like inside and warm. <laughs> so one thing is I, I feel like there's uh, the McMiniman brothers and there's also the Widmere brothers and a lot of like brewing stuff started happening in the late eighties uh, or mid eighties. And we got a lot of like small little like breweries and then the McMiniman brothers, uh, they, they they had restaurants. They weren't like selling their beers out in the streets or anything like that. That's that's that was more of what the Widmeres were doing. But the McMinnon brothers started opening up these like small little restaurants with the walls painted all crazy, mm-hmm. giving everything kind of a San Francisco in uh, Portland vibe. But then it kind of just started to be its own kind of thing, and they started popping up, and it was just like bar food with like rock concert posters everywhere and it was really trying to give you this this feeling of like everything was colorful the food was like large portions and this is this is not current McMinimins, but this is when things were where it was and they had this huge place historical McMinimins historical McMinimans and they had this huge place in Troutdale you could go to and drink beer in all these different restaurants and play golf and get a hotel room there and it was called Edgefield and they had Mm -hmm. a spa you could go to and all kinds of cool stuff and you know they just started opening more and more and more and the thing that happens when you open more and more and more and more it's it's Quality kind of gets spread everywhere. <laughs> I got married at the um, Cornelius Roadhouse Pass. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. No, I, I, I love McMinimins. It's just every once in a while I'll go to one and I'll be like, oh, man, this isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's like they're some of the I like what they've done in theory and some of the things like like with Cornelius Roadhouse Pass, for, mm-hmm. for example, they they've saved like the, like one of the world's older, the, the United States is like oldest octagonal barns. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it's saved- like, I like that they've done that. They've like saved a lot of um, old things and we're able to like rescue them and repurpose. Definitely. Definitely. Like there's the Kennedy school, which is an old school. school and like the, uh, Detention is a place that you can go and smoke cigars, or used to be at least. I don't know anymore. And the <laughs> boiler room are. bar is pretty fun too. Yep. Like in that place, have you been to that bar inside there? Oh yes, I have. That's yeah. my one of my favorites, just because it's kind of has a little bit of a more of a creepy vibe and whatnot. But yeah, the also have you been to the Chris, the one that's like in the one downtown that has like the the pool, the wait the like the waiting pool. Uh, yeah, 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 I have. I want to go to that one, yeah. but, but it looks like there's a lot of kids in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, Man, and, uh, movie theaters where you can buy get beers and stuff, and and my Which, friends from California is telling me we are so excited. We have movie theaters now where we can order beers. I go, yeah. you know what they call that in Oregon? A movie theater. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know, honestly, that was the first thing I ever time I ever saw that was at McMinimins was getting the opportunity to have drinks and regular food that wasn't like popcorn fare or whatever. Cause like in new Orleans and in Memphis, we had like, we had places that you go see movies, obviously, but like not the way that McMinimins, like I remember like at Kennedy school sitting on the couch and being like, this is creepy. This person next to me, I don't know them. We're all on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess that is like Portland culture. Uh, yeah. 
in 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 the way that it's like being able to eat pizza or a burger on a couch in a movie theater or you know have like a little table built in front of you to get food and it's like make sure you silence your cell phone oh wait a minute there's going to be someone who's going to interrupt you 20 minutes into the movie to ask you if there's anything else <laughs> during the jump scare yeah <laughs> that's what i would do totally time it like excuse me yeah but yeah, no, no, that's 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 like something that I definitely feel like food-wise, culture-wise. That's it's 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 weird for other places, but it's very Portland and uh yeah. Anyway, we'll we can talk more about weird Portland in the future. I want to talk about Evil Dead. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glary. Prepare for a spine tingling, nerve shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of... Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. Modern Talk. And the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. This part of the show doesn't have a theme song. This part of the show doesn't have a theme song. David D. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer. Before we start talking about the Evil Dead, I just want to say thank you all for listening to the show. And if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't told anyone about it, if you don't know where to find us, you can subscribe now. You can tell your friends whenever you want. And you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, 
and on um, that one that I can't remember, YouTube. Yeah, we we have episodes on YouTube. So and Spotify. Check- yeah, yeah, we are, we're on Spotify. We are anywhere you find a website or any 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 place you find podcasts. That's where we're hmm. at. So and hopefully in your heart. Oh yeah. <laughs> so check us out. Um, Evil Dead, nineteen eighty one, The Evil so, Dead. So I want to start this out. That sure. I really like that that main character, that guy who played Ash. I don't know his name. He looks a lot like Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Bruce Campbell was never that young. Gosh, right? It's fun. It's fun. It's it's yeah, very young Bruce Campbell. Uh, I I mean I I think everyone became familiar with Bruce Campbell a little bit more in Evil Dead Two, which was just easier to find for some reason. Yeah, I remember, you know, not being really into horror when I was younger and seeing the ads for Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pulling a fast one because I never heard of this Evil Dead 1. I think they just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd hear people say, oh, yeah, I saw e- the Evil Dead on cable when I was like a little kid and it scared me really bad. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. And it's like, oh, yeah, I hear that it's, like, been outlawed in certain countries. And it's, it's you know, it's – and I guess it was all about, like, distribution rights and whatnot, but – I saw it at a coffee shop in Memphis, Tennessee. Like, um, somebody had it – was projecting it in a back – we were, like, watching it in the back room at a coffee shop. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's wild. Cool. I remember seeing it thinking, what the heck is this? And thinking, like, the mashed potatoes coming out of the eyeball scene. I was like, yeah, yeah. glorious. Yeah. Now, I did do it kind of backwards. I actually saw Army of Darkness first. Oh, okay. right on. So, uh, And that's uh, one of the things. There's a lot of evolution in the Ash character. Mm-hmm. It, it's not really. That's the thing that sort of struck me was when I first saw, you know, Evil Dead, I was expecting Bruce to be more Bruce. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this persona, it came out later, I think, in later movies. Yeah. I, I, I like, it's actually almost, it feels almost a little bit serious in the first one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the, the first one, I have to say, the first time I saw it, I, I, I saw it, alone i didn't watch it with anyone else i watched it alone at night i'd just gotten uh evil dead 2 and army of darkness i'd I'd gotten a a vhs block of them (laughs) and i went home to to finally watch evil dead and oh man it scared the hell out of me And uh, then, then I, you know, I'd seen Evil Dead 2 with a bunch of friends. I'd always seen, like, Army of Darkness with a bunch of friends, but I'd never seen Evil Dead. And I watched it with a bunch of other people, and it was, like, fun to make fun of. But that first time I saw it by myself, I was like, Ugh. Yeah. Scared. Yeah. And so, you know what movie it reminds me of? What's it, that? Um... El Mariachi. Okay. In the same <laughs> way. 
in the same way that there's sort of there's filler scenes. You could tell that they were doing it at a budget and that they had talent but no money. But that so there's things where, you know, it the cameras on the 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 woods or something that are sort of filling in the spaces as as the movie goes around them. Are you talking about those like um like those zoom in shots that um like I want, was it Rodriguez? Did yeah. yeah, I feel like like uh like the he has a similar style in 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 a way to like Rainey in the sense that like he likes to do those really tight shots that pull in really close to like an absurd thing like the like Ash looking off to the side, but we're gonna see that side view better than we're gonna see Ash. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I do. I, I think there is, and they both developed their own voice, uh, Raimi and Rodriguez, when they got got more money and they were more free to do what they wanted. But I, I see some, I see some similarity in the style there. I, yeah. I mean, now that you pointed out, I'm like, absolutely. I totally can see that. I mean, Raimi still has his that same vibe, even into his like Marvel movies. Are still like a little sure. sprinkle. One of my favorite things about this movie is how the Evil Dead, the 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 um, whatever the darkness is that's out there, it has. It's 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 it has its own character that mm. moves, and it's it's like before anything ever happens with anyone, the evil energy it it it's amazing. It's the camera work on 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 this film of like not only like the uh, like the I don't know smash zoom what uh, smash zooms to stuff that you mm-hmm. two were just talking about, but it's like this like. I don't know this thing that they do with the woods and stuff. That is just, it's scary. It, I still find it scary. It's a little cheesier in, uh, in army of darkness when they do it, but I, I really feel it's kind of scary in the first one. Well, I feel like the Kendarian aspects were like, were taken a little bit more serious in that first one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that as, I think Ramy had decided he had to do this if he was going to get a mainstream audience. He had to play up the uh, the slapstick. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know those soon that scene where they're going through the swamp, where the camera's going to the swamp from the the Evil Dead or the Darkness's perspective. Mm-hmm. My understanding is, and that is Ramy lying flat in a rowboat with. Bruce Campbell pushing it. Oh, funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember reading about like the how the the entire like shot, the entire movie was fraught with disaster after disaster after disaster. It was a miracle they didn't kill somebody. No kidding. I mean, they didn't have the rights to be in the in the building, or they wait, they did, but they were like shocked at how little there was no power. There was, uh, it was very, very cold. Tennessee was having like a, a ridiculous, like cold uh, snap during that time period. Hunters would just walk in. While they yeah. Were- <laughs> <laughs> it, a few people it, got injured. There's real blood. It, it has a very 
gorilla, gorilla filmmaker vibe to it. Totally. Hmm. Sounds a bit like the making of Night of the Living Dead, but a little bit more yes. rough. <laughs> I just love what um, what Evil Dead brought to horror cinema and has like has influenced so many directors and so many yeah. different films. And um, I just love the extended use of the Necronomicon and how it's like a running joke in all kinds of films. Yeah. Like, you'll see it pop up. Like, I mean, I, I think it's in Camp Out in the Woods, isn't it? I know it's you guys' like favorite film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I remember it, they don't call it the Necronomicon in the first movie. They don't, but it's... No, they don't. It's it's the... Uh, not, Darian. Oh, yeah, yeah. DeMonto, or I can't pronounce it, but it's a Sumerian version of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Yeah, but you know, and because I saw it backwards, because I believe they do call it the Necronomicon dot Nemecon or whatever in uh, Army of Darkness. They (laughs) do, and so most people' idea is what the Necronomicon looks like is from the movie, even though. You know, Lovecraft never does anything about it being written in blood. Never does it was, you know, bound in human flesh. Even though that's even casual Lovecraft readers think of that as they think of the Necronomicon. Yeah. He never brings it up that way. Gosh, didn't you think that introduction, though, to it was pretty scary? Like where um, Cheryl's, um, like, is it Cheryl's drawing? Yeah. And then, like, she gets hurt. You see her hand, it turns, like starts having like veins and turns like white and it's like forcing the pencil and that looks so intense and she acted that so incredibly by like like looking like it was actually like forcing her hand and like really good good acting Uh, good yeah good hand acting in this series in general but yeah no no the the freaking out with the hands and then like shoving it and it's going through pages and it's yeah no it's that's kind of scary. <laughs> it feels like um, almost like kind of like uh, he wanted to do like Ted Raimi wanted to do like American Giallo almost is, is, is kind of how it felt like it has kind of that feel of those zombie movies from from uh, not, not Giallo. Um, I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but like those kind of like Giallo light zombie movies from Italy. It's like what the makeup of the deadites always reminds me of. And like Oh, because they had low budgets is why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, after a while you run out of red and then black stuff spraying out of people's mouths because it's purple. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's like, well we don't have any red. We have green. Okay, green's good. Let's make green mashed potatoes squirt out of something. <laughs> have you guys seen Evil Dead the Musical? No. no I have not. Oh, guys, it's so good. This year, if it comes, we have to go. Like, okay. I mean, it's just like assigned, assigned homework. We have to go. It's oh, so much fun. They basically combine the story of, they take the first one and the second one and kind of 
mush them together in ways. Because, like, you know, there's stuff that happens in the first one that doesn't happen in the second one, but they, mm-hmm. they kind of combine them, and it's like, it's so ridiculous. Like, they have this song at the very beginning where they're all, like, heading out. They're like, Kevin in the woods, yeah! Kevin in the woods, uh-huh! Spring break! And it's hysterical. I mean, hysterical. And Ash is like, I, I mean, it's pretty normal to take my sister on a trip, a romantic trip with my, my girlfriend. And like, there's all kinds of like ridiculousness. It's hilarious, hilarious. And then every as each person becomes possessed, they sing a, a song called Look Who's Evil Now. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty glorious. I'll have to find some pieces of maybe I'll find some some segments of it to play on this. Yeah. Cool. And. One of my favorite sort of homages to this is, have you ever seen um, uh, I Am Bruce? Yeah. Uh, yes. Daryl's in it. Yeah. Uh, you said you were in it? No, Cheryl's in it. The Cheryl's sister. in it, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they bring her back for the series too, right? I think so. I've seen her in credit list. I, I've not finish the series, ah, but I believe she is in it too. So, and the other, I think, and because you know, I'm me. Um, there's some really good Evil Dead comic books out there. Yes, mm-hmm. including, yeah, including a Lovecraftian. I believe it's a Evil Dead meets uh, Herbert West. Okay, I've seen the Evil Dead versus Marvel Zombies. I think mm-hmm. I know that yeah. exists. Uh, I think I have uh, that one. E- a sort of a almost sympathetic version of Ash and I think uh, uh, Evil Dead and Hack Slack and Evil Dead and Danger Girl. Huh. Right on. Interesting. It, it, it's its own little sort of expanded universe. Okay. Uh, something I have to say... Uh, that has never been a good media for the Evil Dead franchise, uh, maybe until recently, has been video games. It's There's generally hasn't been a good Evil Dead video game until very recently where one person plays as a Deadite and everyone else plays as, or uh, as a uh, Kandarian... Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I always have a hard time explaining the, the 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 lurker at the threshold is what I like to think of it as. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, and everyone else then runs around as as like Ash and uh, Scott and Shelley and <laughs> Cheryl and try and get away from what's going on. And as the uh, demon, you can like possess people you can possess the car you can like possess stuff in the house and yeah but anyway it's one of those uh video games i've seen bits and pieces of but there's a lot of bad evil dead (laughs) in the very beginning of like uh the uh ps uh the 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 original playstation and playstation 2 had some kind of not as fun as everyone wanted uh, uh, Evil Dead games out there. It, it isn't Ash like an unlockable character in Poker Night 2? I so don't know. You, 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 you could play poker with uh, the Swedish Death Machine and Gladys from uh, 
portal. Okay, okay. Pretty cool, pretty make, cool. I, I make I make the characters walk into walls. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly I'm so terrible at video games, like <laughs> sad truth. Um when I'm playing um I think Elder Scrolls stuff, I've played mm-hmm. that game and I could not get out of my house. Oh like, no. I could not I couldn't go upstairs. I, I my view was always looking down or looking up. I was like I'm, <laughs> Oh, I'm, no. just, I'm just really dumb. I I could not articulate the characters at all. I tried like you know the zoom out, zoom in, and no, it just doesn't work. I am not. Um, what is that? Hand eye coordinated like that? All right, know. all right. It is a sad truth. <laughs> <laughs> Evil Dead. So, Dave, what do you know about the Evil Dead uh, first movie? Like. Do you know how much it made or the box office? What was its budget? No, it, it made a lot more money in Europe than it did here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it, 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 I think it doubled it, but it paid into it. And, and my understanding is Campbell like put up his home, like his family home to pay for oh, it. Wow. I'm not sure if that's it. There's also a lot of stories that come afterwards that may or may not be true. Sure. But it made a lot, a lot more internationally than it did in America. Huh. Interesting. So one of the things that they were doing to promote it mm-hmm. is uh, when it first came out, uh, uh, Ramey would hire ambulances to be parked in, in case people were fainted while watching the movie. They would park out in front of the theater. Oh, yeah. that's smart. I, th- I like that. And they also had a thing where they, where a lot of places you could donate blood, and mm-hmm. they would give you a free ticket to the movie. Really? Oh wow! <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. It's like those like shock theater type stuff. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, William Castle kind of stuff. Yes. <laughs> exactly. He took it right out of Castle's playbook. Nice. I just was reading it. Said so the Evil Dead grossed 2.4 million in the United States and then 29.4 million worldwide, yeah. but its budget was like 37, 300, or I'm sorry, was three, 375,000 dollars. Yes. Oh wow. And, and, and sort of the the kind of the the deadite in the room is <laughs> running out of money and had to go back and refilm it. So so, you know. A lot of the original actors weren't there. I kind of think that's why, because you know the the in the test film that they the proof of concept film. Yeah, the within Ash, the woods. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ash. It's not Ash. It's Bruce dies. Yeah, and I think that the reason why Ash is kept through is he's the only one that was stick with with Sam Raimi through the whole movie. <laughs> Probably. But I and it's one of the things I think that really sort of gave him the go ahead for Evil Dead Two was VHS sales or rentals. yeah 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 and some people say that Evil Dead Two is not is 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 not a sequel to Evil Dead One but a retelling of Evil Dead One and some people say I'd agree I I have a theory that. What if uh, Ash Williams, what if Ashley Williams 
in the first movie was possessed by a deadite, goes back into society, meets another woman named Linda, takes her back. <laughs> but mm. I mean, that's I mean, that's 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 a theory that some people have. I I was I think... told there would be no quantum physics. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, I, 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 I agree with you, Gretchen. Definitely this. It's 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 a retelling. It's like we've got better equipment now. We've got more of a story. We can hire people to do stuff. <laughs> now, now, one thing that I did hear is that they say that 25% of the U.S. gross mm -hmm. came from drive-ins. Oh, okay. yeah, right on. That's cool. I mean, that would be a great place to see it. Oh yeah, I miss drive-ins. I haven't been to one. Wait, there was one during pandemic, like that. I watched the Expo Center, but oh yeah, I've I, I did that before the uh, pandemic. There, I saw like uh, uh, blah, 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 uh, Steven Spielberg movie with uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, saw oh, Close right on, Encounters right on. in like 2016 or something. But yeah. Yeah, no, no. This would be a great movie. Bring back, bring back drive-ins, everyone. If you're out there and you can make that happen, bring back drive-ins. <laughs> so off the track, but do you know why they invented drive-ins? Uh, so that uh, anything the, I have. The, the guy who developed it, mother, had a, a terrible disease. Oh. And he wanted to take her to see movies, but he couldn't because she would get sick. And so he started making this big screen. He would rent the movies and project it, and he would park the car in front of it, and so his mom could watch movies with him. And then he got, oh wait, what if we all drove our cars here? Wow! <laughs> I thought it was for teenagers to go make out while watching movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured it was that was a side effect. The the United States government, some sort of psyop to create, uh, uh, I don't know, teens. <laughs> Seems to reproduce more. <laughs> there you go. I honestly was like, when I went to the drive-in as a teenager, I would be like, I'm, I'm watching that movie, Jesus. <laughs> Get back. Get back. But, but yeah, this, this movie um, influenced a ton of things. This movie was the influence of a ton of things. I mean... Cabin in the Woods? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not this one so much as the next one is definitely influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I feel. I feel like this one has kind of that, like, low-quality feel to it of, like, we hmm. just filmed this somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and probably everyone got tetanus while we filmed it. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it has that kind of feel, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of the Living Dead, and a lot of, like, just low budget films where you know that they're safe in the movie because it's just a movie but they weren't safe when they were filming it because yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't the deadites it was all those rusty nails and and cheap uh buildings yeah yeah but yeah no no um I guess over in England, one reason why this movie made so much money was because of the fact that it was considered a splatter film 
along with uh, Cannibal Holocaust and I Spit on Your Grave. It was a video nasty. One of the first video nasties. So it was like, it, it wasn't. Was it really? Yeah. It was a oh, video yeah. nasty? I didn't yeah. know that. But yeah, and it, it, it was huge over there <laughs> because of it. And it was huge in a lot of other places because it was considered a video nasty. And it's like, well, if it's nasty in England, well, hell, we got to check this out. <laughs> of all places that ran it unedited, though it was their version of cable, Turkey. Mm -hmm. It was right, run late night unedited in Turkey. Okay. Which all right. Is, did you guys know, like, a little trivia about this movie, um, that, that like, Raimi was a big, like, Three Stooges fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you know about the fake shimps? Definitely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, Ted was uh, a fake shimp a lot when they couldn't get people to come back for stuff. Yeah. And his other brother, I think, was also, a, like, a fake shimp, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. I, I have no idea. <laughs> but I so like many shimps. When Bruce Campbell is like a fake shimp for someone else, but <laughs> yes, right, yeah, and, and you know Campbell was at um, the uh, Rose City Comic Con, and he's really the only celebrity I got to hear part of it. Mm -hmm. But one of the things he said was that his brother got the shotgun for the movie. Oh, yeah, and, and not because of anything he did; he just liked shotguns. Yeah, <laughs> I saw him at um, Fan Expo when we were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I guess, guess it the... wasn't Rose City. You're right. It was Fan Expo. Oh, so oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I I think we were at the same panel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I guess they've uh, got a new Evil Dead movie coming out at the end of the month. Evil Dead Rising, isn't it? Like yeah. a sequel to the 2013 one or something, or 2016 or whatever that was. I don't know. I think it might be the yeah sequel to the 2013. I, I think you're 2013. Correct. Huh. I mean, I have mixed emotions. I wasn't a huge fan of the 2013 film. Um, I appreciate it. I I like the spin of making um, Cheryl a, a drug addict that is trying to recover, and it's um it's just interesting. But yeah. No, 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 no. I I, I thought it was like. It would have been a great inspired by Evil Dead, but like, yeah, maybe mix it up a little bit. Don't call it the Evil Dead. I felt like it had it. I felt like it had enough of its own elements that didn't need to be that it could just be called something else. It didn't. It sure. didn't feel. It didn't feel like an Evil Dead movie, even though there was all the things that were in place. Like they go to a cabin, they find the tape recorder, their ding dongs and listen to the tape recorder, then they mm -hmm. read a book. And then the sister, and then the this, and then everybody gets possessed. Like those beats all get hit, but sure. it just didn't have that same. I don't know. Maybe it's just because of that whole like I'm old. I hate to say I'm old school because I hate that term. But like sure, sure. that, you know, that the original was good. Why remake? I mean, yeah. I guess for the modern audience, sure. For the money. Yeah, nostalgia train. Our our generation is like so hard up for our nostalgia train. Mm -hmm. That it's like it's fueling all these movies in Hollywood, and some are good, and some are not good. Yeah, and some are unnecessary. Oh, the last Texas Chainsaw Massacre was completely right? necessary. I didn't even watch it. I was like, <laughs> no thanks, not gonna watch it. I, I watched it for about twenty minutes, and I'm like, this is 
This is not good. <laughs> I don't watch people being like sweaty and uncomfortable in a movie. I'm just going to watch Evil Dead. I mean, uh, yeah. not Evil Dead, but like watch um, The Walking Dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't Evil even get started. <laughs> yeah. There Open up the can of worms there. Oh, yeah. No, no. Uh, the Evil Dead, it's so much about this film is amazing. It's it's awful. It's gratuitous and points. It's but then again, it's also like it's it's so imaginative and it's so cutting edge for what it was doing, but it also costs nothing to make. And it's 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 like if you had a film, you moved all the sliders one direction or the other. There's like really no middle ground with this movie. It's like it costs almost nothing but it will always run out of money while it's filming and makeup we did nothing with, but we did amazing things with it. And it's, it's the kind of thing that um, inspires people to make horror. And it's the kind of thing that inspires horror writers. It's, it's just this, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it came from nowhere. It's influences go back quite some time. I mean, it's, it's definitely influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's definitely kind of, you know, uh, has kind of like the camp tale story of like teens mm. in the woods kind of like uh, uh, urban legends of like teens in the woods and, you know, hook handles on doors almost. But no, it's it's demons. It's it's not escape mental patients it's demons yeah. and it's 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 not you know a hillbilly with a chainsaw it's it's you with a chainsaw trying to and that's the second movie but yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it definitely has become the trope creator sure Any, anything else we want to share I mean, other than I just realized that I just finally remember what those were called, those Zoom things. It's called the Dutch Angle. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I just remembered. It just hit me. I was like, oh, it's called a Dutch Angle. And this movie has so many Dutch Angles. <laughs> so, 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 so somebody oh. wants to make their comments. Oh, okay. Oh, is All that right. the goat? Yeah, they're, tell they're telling me it's time to get them fed. Uh -oh. Yeah, my All household, right. too. Okay, everyone. Well, thank oh, you so soon as much. I bring the microphone to them. They stop. They stop making noise. Of course. No problem. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for talking Evil Dead, Weird Portland, and Ralier. That has been it for this episode of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next time. That was a good show. Yeah, no, that was a great one. That was fun. All right. Well, oh. um, if. Yeah, uh, message me when y'all want to record next. Should be, what, next Thursday? Yeah, yeah I would like to shoot for Thursday. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Okay, all yeah. right. Uh, Are yeah, any of you all going to um, uh, First Contact Day? Uh, when is that going to be? Uh, I think it's the 5th. It's First Contact. It's at the Hollywood Theater. No, I didn't curious. know about it. <laughs> I'm going. Woo! Is it Trek First Contact, or? Yeah. I'm a closet truck nerd. Very cool. Very cool. All, All right. right.
Well, talk to y'all later. All yeah. Right. Take care. All right, take care. All right. Bye. Bye. I'll send this once I finish chores. Sounds good.